This is Healthcare Strategies. Hello, and welcome to Healthcare Strategies. I'm Kelsey Waddell, Senior Editor of Healthpayer Intelligence and Multimedia Manager at Extelligent Healthcare Media. According to Mayo Clinic, pharmacogenomics is the study of how a person's unique genetic makeup or genome influences his or her response to medications. This field of study forms the basis for an area of treatment that has emerged over roughly the last decade, precision medicine. The President's Council of Advisors on Science and Technology in 2008 defined precision medicine as the tailoring of medical treatment to the individual characteristics of each patient to classify individuals into subpopulations that differ in their susceptibility to a particular disease or their response to a specific treatment. This type of medicine has the potential to solve a range of problems that have long stumped healthcare. But first, healthcare stakeholders have to figure out how to sync their efforts in this area in developing, administering, and reimbursing for precision medicine treatments. Joining us today to discuss precision medicine and pharmacogenomics and their role in healthcare's present and future, we have Dr. Cynthia Yu, the Director of Precision Medicine at the Profero team, and Dr. Scott Betzelos. Chief Medical Officer and Vice President of HMO Strategy and Affordability at Blue Care Network. Dr. Vitsalos, Dr. Yu, I'm so excited to have you both on today to address this topic from a couple different areas in the industry. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Happy to be here. Thank you very much. Great. So I'd like to start out with a bit of personal background. Can you both please elaborate on your roles in your organizations and your experience with precision medicine or precision medicine coverage and pharmacogenomics? As you said, I am the director of precision medicine for the Prefero team, and I've had the amazing experience of working with an organization of pharmacists. And what we do is provide employers, healthcare systems, and PBMs with ways to integrate and implement pharmacogenomic testing and other testing as far as precision medicine into the delivery and management of medication and therapy and those benefits. I also get to work with some laboratories as far as helping to develop clinical decision support and make selections as far as what is included in a pharmacogenomic panel, because there's a lot of different SNPs out there, but having the ones that are going to be the most useful and have good utility, as well as clinical decision support for the care providers ordering that test is very important. And then I do also still get to work with patients and do pharmacogenomic consults for individual patients that we are serving through practitioners and other groups. So it's nice to get a little bit of every angle. Thank you, Dr. Scott Bitzelis. I'm the Chief Medical Officer and Vice President of Strategy and Affordability for Blue Care Network. I've been with Blue Cross Michigan for just under a year. My background is I'm an emergency physician and practiced for some 20 years in underserved areas of Chicago. And then had the opportunity to serve in various chief medical officer, chief quality officer roles in Chicago at Inova Health System in Fairfax, Virginia, Theta Care in Appleton, Wisconsin, 
My background in precision medicine began at Anova Health System, where we started a precision medicine organization at Anova Health System that not only did pharmacogenomics, precision oncology, and neonatal testing across the board in a number of joint ventures. When I first came in to Blue Cross, there was a strategy that was being developed by leadership around precision medicine. Because of my background, they asked me to lead a precision medicine deployment at Blue Cross. And given that, and given my experience, I thought that pharmacogenomics would be a great place to start a precision medicine program. It's like, great. Well, Given your backgrounds, I can already tell this is going to be a great conversation. And so to get right into it, Dr. Yu, I'd like to start off with just an overview of what is the current status of precision medicine. My understanding is that, you know, while the approach has been in existence for around a decade, it's still an evolving space. So with that in mind, what role does this type of treatment play in the healthcare system today? Right now, I think that precision medicine, as far as pharmacogenomics specifically, is really beginning to blossom. It was difficult to get coverage for testing for patients, say, a few years ago, but as there is more information being published and released and guidelines for the utility of these tests, there's been the slow embracing of it, specifically, I guess, at some larger academic institutions. And that's kind of eked out into a broader space. Now we have insurance companies and employers, individuals that are seeking testing. And it's very exciting as healthcare providers are beginning to accept the utility of pharmacogenomics rather than looking at it as something foreign and difficult and something to have to hurdle or worry about sitting there in the background. So it's an exciting time. There's still progress that needs to be made as far as pharmacogenomics because ideally the time to get a pharmacogenomic test might be before you actually need to use it, but we are still not quite at a place of using preemptive testing as some individuals in Europe are already doing, but we're definitely making progress. And I think it's a great place to start where we have payers and stakeholders that are willing to test patients that are going to definitely benefit from the information in a pharmacogenomic panel. You know, I would agree with you, Dr. Yu, and blasphemy is, I think, is a perfect word that you use. It is expanding tremendously across all healthcare delivery systems, uh, both in the provider and in the payer worlds. And when I speak of precision medicine, I also look at pharmacogenomics as a subgroup of precision medicine, with the larger piece being whole genome sequencing, genomic sequencing, and tumor mutational burden, and tailored treatment for the oncology patient. And pharmacogenomics, as you know, plays a role in treatment of oncology patients with various standard chemotherapies that could cause a significant morbidity, mortality for those that are low metabolizers or non-metabolizers. And the role of precision medicine is also becoming rapidly adopted by providers. I'm not going to age myself, but I had no training in pharmacogenomics when I went to medical school and probably those that went to medical school in the last five years did not have any formalized PGX training, PGX short for pharmacogenomics. I think there's a significant opportunity to expand the utilization of, let me rephrase, appropriate utilization of PGX testing. And for those patients that are on 
various medications that are known to have gene drug interactions and education of our, our providers and our members and patients around when a PGX test should occur and when it does occur uh, appropriately is helpful. Excellent. Dr. Petzlos, with the fact that this is a blossoming, as you both put it, fields and changing and growing, I'm sure a lot of challenges come with that. From the payer perspective, you know, what are the challenges that payers are facing as they try to provide coverage and reduce members' financial barriers to accessing precision medicine? You know, that's a great question. And I start off by saying that access to appropriate tests and laboratories that are certified to do these tests is somewhat of a barrier in terms of trying to identify the right lab to do a platform of tests, which would be the second barrier. One of the things that the payers experienced, unfortunately, over the last few years is the unbundling of a platform of PGX testing. So they test you for one gene or a second gene or a third gene, and you add the cost up to that, and it's more than the single cost of an entire platform of tests. And it ends up being a waste of funds that are used in PGX testing. So unbundling versus a platform testing is very important to reduce the incidence of that unbundling. I think I also spoke about the provider knowledge of PGX testing and when to order a test is also a barrier that we can overcome very easily. And around precision medicine and personalized oncology, and by the way, the name of our program is called Blue Cross Personalized Medicine. And so it would be personalized, Blue Cross Personalized Pharmacy and Blue Cross Personalized Oncology. That's the genomics of the cancer itself, or what's known as mixed mutations that we look for to provide targeted therapy. And eventually, I believe that standard chemotherapy will be replaced by tailored targeted therapy based on the genomics of a oncology or a cancer. So a number of barriers around testing and education, I think, are easily overcome. And I really believe that PGX testing within the next three to five years will find a home, the results will find a home in the electronic health record, very similar to where you see allergies in the treatment uh, process. And just like we ask, you know, what are your allergies? People will be reporting or they will have had a PTX test and the results will be in the electronic health record and will provide a detour. For example, if you're a non-metabolizer of Plavix, a blood thinner, the doctor will know that upfront and not to place you on that medication. And then, of course, reduce the risk of morbidity and mortality associated with that gene drug interaction. I couldn't agree more. And that is one of the most frustrating hurdles for pharmacogenomic testing as the SNP by SNP reporting, per se, for patients when you can pretty much get a fairly broad and highly applicable panel for almost the same price. And it's kind of been a challenge to get payers and stakeholders to really embrace that as well as, you know, overcoming some of the hurdles with providers because we have a piece of information now and what are we going to do with it? The other part is the integration into the EMR and also having that piece of information follow the patient for the remainder of their life. It's a one-time test there aren't many things with such a great long-term utility for a single investment of having a test that I can use today and I can use 
five years from now, because every new medication coming out from the FDA is going to have pharmacogenomic information reported on it if there's something significant there. And you know, the different SNPs are well studied as far as their impact upon the metabolism and elimination of these agents for individuals. So having that piece of information accessible to each healthcare provider down the road and having continuous utility of the test as well as getting the most bang for the buck when you're going to order a pharmacogenomic test, we might as well get something fairly broad, even though at times it might be intimidating at first. And these reports that were coming out were pages and pages and pages long with a lot of information to sort through initially, which is something else that, you know, pharmacists are actually very helpful with sorting through and finding what's most applicable at that point in time for the patient and then routinely moving forward. Yeah, you know, Dr. Yu, I agree with you and, and add something that you had said earlier, and, and that is that your DNA doesn't change and your PGX test is the same for life. So you may be on a behavioral health medicine right now and uh, get a PGX test because of that. 10 years from now, you may have a cardiac issue and that PGX test stays the same and you'll know whether or not you're responding to various cardiac meds with gene drug interactions. So it's so very important, just like you said, to, to get the PGX test when appropriate and then let's find a home for it in the electronic health record. Yeah. Dr. Yu, you mentioned something there, the stakeholder hesitancy. And I, I wanted to kind of dig into that a little. What advice would you offer to employers or payers who are exploring how to give patients access to this treatment and who might be a little bit hesitant for the reasons that you mentioned? I think the first step is really looking at the population that you're serving, whether it's a large health system or an employer and then doing some due diligence, whether it's with a consultant or doing all of the footwork yourself, looking for a quality lab with good, solid testing and clinical decision support, uh, having a way to be able to integrate that information so that it's accessible to all of the healthcare providers involved with the patient's care. And that's always kind of been a difficulty in the U.S. healthcare system in general, and it's not something we're going to fix today on this podcast. <laughs> but you know, as we move towards the idea of integration into an EMR and different ways that providers can access other institutions' EMRs, which is something that is happening out there, then it gives a lifelong utility to the test. Being able to pick out ways to integrate it and make it work for your system. And then most of the data that, well, not most, but much of the data coming out there does show that the best bang for your buck is coupling the PGX test with the chronic medication management. And as a pharmacist, I always like to throw that in there as it's good to couple the genomic testing with someone that can assist with evaluating and instituting medication changes. The pharmacists are really poised to provide that type of assistance to prescribers and 
today's prescriber is incredibly busy evaluating the patient. They have a short amount of time to go through uh, an appointment and diagnostics and everything else and engage. Having the extra step of a pharmacist to evaluate the medication and assist with the medication action plan has provided the most cost benefit to institutions as well as an increase in the health outcome as far as positive results. So there are a lot of different ongoing studies out there as far as, you know, coupling these two things to get the most savings and improved healthcare outcomes, which is kind of our goal in all of this. Dr. Vassilis, you had mentioned a moment ago about the the lifelong nature of the genome. What I hear from that also is the potential lifelong impact that this kind of field could have. But in order to get there, it sounds like there's a lot of partnership that needs to happen. So I'm curious about your perspective on forming strong partnerships between pharmacists, providers, payers, any of these stakeholders that need to be involved, figuring out who to bring to the table. And what are some strategies that stakeholders should employ in order to facilitate strong partnership when rolling out solutions that are related to precision medicine? You know, that's a great question. And when we were developing the precision medicine PGX program at Blue Cross, What we wanted to do was ensure that all appropriate stakeholders had input into the development of that program and created that partnership that you just mentioned for mutual success of the program. And the stakeholders involved are not just the patient and the provider. The pharmacist needs to be involved intimately in the regimen changes that do occur. And the support structure for the program needs to be there. And what what we developed was an end-to-end program that began with our vendor that does stratification of our membership and layers the membership in tiers one through five, one and two being the highest risk of having a gene-drug interaction. And those are the ones that we're going to focus our time on and are eligible for a PGX test, and that's based on the medication that they're on. Once they're stratified, then we send the provider a note and the member a note and a test gets ordered, the test gets sent to the house, patient does their own cheek swab, sends it back to the lab, lab does the result, and then results go to the provider with the clinical action plan and also the patient. And in addition to that, the pharmacist is intimately involved in recommendations and working and partnering with the provider in how best to manage the medications. You know, if it's a single gene drug interaction, you know, most physicians can handle that. But when you have somebody on chronic disease with, you know, five, six, seven, eight medications and multiple gene drug interactions, the expertise of the pharmacist is so valuable to to the provider in developing the appropriate regimen change. And that partnership is not only required in our program, but it's, it's unique among other programs. In addition, I think the ability to over communicate with both the provider and the patient in terms of how best to manage this and then the connectivity between specialty groups because the prescriber very often is not handling the specific disease process that the gene drug interaction occurred so we want to have that communication between specialties and then underlying it all is it's really this pharmacist intervention that helps support the program so in terms of stakeholders and partnerships, and it's so very important to facilitate a positive outcome 
what we're trying to achieve is, you know, reduce morbidity, reduce mortality, reduce visits to the emergency department, reduce inpatient visits, and improve medication adherence. Because if you have a PGX test and it shows that you're not responding to one drug, but you're responding to another drug, the chances of you staying on that drug the way you're supposed to is much, much higher than if not. So developing and over-communicating these partnerships is imperative to the success. Excellent. Yeah. So then our last question is, you know, we started out today asking about what the current role of precision medicine is in healthcare, but I'd like to now move into what are your projections for this treatment in general? And also, you know, what are your goals for the advancement and continued adoption of precision medicine within your own organizations? Well, you know, I think that I spoke a little bit about how PGX is just a subset of precision medicine in its entirety. And precision medicine has many facets from, like I said, whole genome sequencing to gene therapy, gene splicing for various disease processes, as well as precision oncology. And as precision medicine advances rapidly, testing needs to continue to rapidly evolve in an appropriate fashion. And then the therapeutics that go along with the testing need to be there. As more tests continue to come out, we'll see more advanced therapeutics come to the marketplace to treat patients with various disease processes. I think I previously mentioned that, you know, standard chemo will probably disappear over the next three to five years in favor of targeted treatments for those patients that have targets that are identified in comprehensive genomic panel testing. I know that we are expanding our precision medicine program to include precision oncology and various other modalities. So very excited about the field. I know that providers will continue to embrace precision medicine as time goes by, and that includes embracement of chemical genomic testing. The Prefera team is very excited about precision medicine in the future, and I have a lot of dreams about where this can go, and my hopes and goals are actually preemptive testing for pharmacogenomics, which I know is far out there, but it would definitely be doable, especially as prices continue to decrease on laboratory costs and as we become more connected and have greater access for individuals. The more data that we're getting, the more useful. And you know, you mentioned Mayo Clinic and their last publication. More than 99% of the population has at least one actionable variant. We have a higher likelihood of finding a unicorn than finding an individual that isn't going to be able to use that pharmacogenomic test at some point in their lifetime. And then the things that I'm very excited about are some of the other specific things were mentioned as far as oncology is concerned. It's always been the goal to have a silver bullet and oncology for the longest time has been more of a wrecking ball rather than a precise instrument. And with testing, there are so many new medications coming out that can target. And the goal is to follow the variant that is responsible for driving the cancer. And that's where the precision medicine it's going to be very useful also in rare disease states and in chronic diseases. There's all kinds of information just coming out about where we can apply precision medicine to select the best biologic agents for people with rheumatoid arthritis. 
psoriatic arthritis, we're talking really expensive medications that if it's not going to work, one dose is costing the provider and the patient thousands of dollars sometimes. And why not be able to use a test that can determine this probably is not going to be the best biologic for you. We could start something else, get the relief sooner, stop disease progression sooner. We're gonna have better outcomes, lower overall costs, improve productivity in workplaces, decrease absenteeism, the ripple effect across all situations is just gonna be fantastic. So I have a lot of hope for the future and it's something great to think about. Although I know some of these things probably still have a few more years and really developing how they will be applied, you know, baby steps, but we're definitely getting there. Definitely. I mean, where would we be in healthcare today if we didn't you know, sort of dream big, the name for that. So, well, thank you both so much for your time today, for coming on and for sharing your insights. This has been very informative and hope to have you both back at some point. Thanks very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Very nice to meet you. Listeners, we'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Feel free to reach out to me at kwadil at extelligentmedia.com. That's K-W-A-D-D-I-L-L at extelligentmedia.com to share your thoughts. You can also use that email to let us know if there are any health industry related questions or stories you would like us to consider covering. And if you liked this episode and it sparked some thoughts for you, please head over to Apple and give us a few stars and a positive review. Thank you for listening. This has been an Extelligent Healthcare Media production.